Good morning, church. If you guys can all please open your Bibles, as Pastor Sebastian said, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And um, today we're going to be talking about singleness, about singleness. And so the title of this message is Single and Ready to, and I'll let you fill in the blank there. So use your, Steve says mingle, there you go. I'll let you use your imagination on that one. Single and ready to blank. And um, blessed to be sharing um, God's word with you guys this morning. Single and ready to blank. Steve Lavelle over here says single and ready to mingle. I think Steve is single, right? You single, Steve? There we go. Join the single club with me. All right. So we have been studying this letter for a while uh, in the Corinthian church, and we see that there are some serious issues in this church. Paul felt the need that he had to write them to correct them in truth and in love. So in the earlier chapters, we see that in this church, there was division between the church leaders and the teachers. Then there was issues where they were tolerant of incest going on in the church. Brothers in Christ were suing each other, taking them to court. And then in chapter 6, we see where sexual immorality was being tolerated in, in the church. And Paul is writing to this culture that is abusing and debasing sex and was causing confusion about this beautiful thing about marriage. And in chapter 7, as Pastor Armando has been covering for these past several weeks, we see Paul correcting some of these misconceptions, misconceptions about marriage, but then today we're going to be talking about singleness. So, this is important for us today as the church. It serves for us a reminder to us that we need to be aware of what's going on in our culture, and more importantly, that we have a gospel-centered church. It also gives us encouragement to be steadfast in the truth in an ever-changing world. Are you guys seeing that today? The world is just changing moment by moment. So, um, I want to put this uh, picture up on the screen, and I feel like sometimes this picture kind of represents what we think marriage would look like. So if you guys could take a look at the screens. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you guys have ever been on a cruise before? What do you guys love about cruises? Steve says food. Yeah, unlimited amounts of food. What else? Entertainment. Man, on, the, on these cruise ships, they have shows. Um, there's magicians. I remember my dad, he got hypnotized on a cruise. It was amazing. <laughs> There's uh, theaters on cruises, there's casinos, there's like everything. What else? What else do you guys love about cruises? Destinations. Destinations, amazing places, right? You know, you can cruise to the Mediterranean, you can cruise to Alaska, and sometimes we, we think about this cruise ship, and we think about this concept of marriage, and we think that's what it's going to be like. You know, we're going into these seas where we've never been before, and it's going to be fun, it's going to be exciting, and we get to do this together and be on this adventure called marriage. What if I told you that if you got on this cruise ship, if you got on this thing called marriage, there's a 50% chance you would make it to your destination? How many of you guys would get on that cruise ship? And as Pastor Armand, oh, you would, <laughs> there we go, 50%, there we go. It's one in two. You guys, we have this expectation of what we think marriage would look like, but sometimes in just years and even months, they don't make it. Divorce. 
in the church. Divorce in society. 50% and growing. And we're going to come back to this idea of this picture of this ship and talking about marriage in regards to a ship. And we're going to go back to that later. But today, this morning, I have four points for you guys. Number one, contentment in Christ. Point number two, single and second best. Point number three, single and ready to blank. And then point number four, a word to the widows and those engaged. So point number one, contentment in Christ. It is very easy for us especially where we live in the West, contemporary America, to have uh, an issue, a problem with being content. I love Philippians chapter 4. It says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be what? Content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger hunger, abundance, and need, 413, which you guys all know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. So, Pastor Armando, a couple weeks ago, preached on 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 7. If you guys could backtrack with me, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 17 and 23. And this is the Apostle Paul encouraging them to stay where they remain whether they're single, whether they're married, and to be content there in Christ. Verse 17, starting in chapter 7. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Look at verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him what? remain to stay with God. Now let's read verses 25 through 28. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to what? Remain as he or she is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Now, I'm not going to, for those of you guys that are married, this is not an excuse for you to lean towards divorce and to lean towards singleness. That's not what I'm trying to get at here. That's not what Scripture is saying. But it's very clear in, in verse 25 through 28, the Apostle Paul is piggybacking off what Pastor Armando preached a couple weeks ago in remaining content and remaining where God has called you. To be content in where you are. And verse 25 you see that the Apostle Paul says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my strong judgment. I give my insight. I give my strong opinion. I give my word to you. And he was clear about marriage and divorce, but here Paul is sharing his opinion. Verse 26, look at verse 26. I think that in this view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. What is going on? in the Corinthian church during that time. What is this distress that Paul's talking about? 
So, biblical scholars have looked at this. Some say that there was a famine in the land causing food shortages, leading to social upheaval and unrest. Others say that this, this, this distress was coming from this eschatological, eschatological, eschatological sense, seminary word there, that Paul was saying that the distress was due to Jesus coming soon, the tribulation or messianic woes, which Christians it will herald the second coming of Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying because of this distress, because of what is going on, it is best to stay. It is best to remain where you are. And then he says, to those who will marry will have what kind of trouble? Worldly trouble. Is marriage awesome? Married people in this room, yes or no? It's absolutely awesome. Can marriage be very difficult? Sure. Yeah. In the light of the troubles that they were experiencing, what the apostle was saying is he's saying, hey, if you're single, why are you going to add this, these additional burdens of marriage in this relationship? Morris puts it like this. When high seas are raging, it is no time for changing ships. The added responsibilities of the married state would be felt more acutely in times of economic or other social crisis, which was happening here in the Corinthian church. The wisdom or not of marrying or making other critical life decisions that will affect the lives of others may depend on the presence or absence of a more or less stable social environment. Important decisions in life, if made wisely, will take into consideration the social context. We need wisdom to discern the times and understand our circumstances so as to know the best way to glorify God and avoid putting ourselves or others under unnecessary duress. So if you guys could please follow with me in verse 28. We're going to read verses 28 through 31. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I will spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is what? Passing away. And the Apostle Paul says, the time is short. And he's encouraging this singleness because of this distress, the duress, the things that were going on in the Corinthian culture during this time. But then also, let me try this word again, eschatology. Oh, no. Eschatology. Okay, I'm going to try that. Whatever. In the second coming of Christ... Okay, that was better. He was saying, in this sense of urgency, we need to focus on Jesus' coming. Eschatology. (laughs) The time is short. And the Apostle Paul has this sense of urgency. And as I was studying this, I remember my mom, when I was in school, she would say, you need to prioritize. But she'd say it like this, you need to prioritize your life. Prioritize your life. 
priorities. And the Apostle Paul, he's saying, listen, Jesus is coming back. You need to set your priorities and have a kingdom perspective. In the focus of Christ's coming, we see Paul prioritize what should be most important in the Corinthian church. The question of whether or not to marry in the light of Christ's coming is now framed in the right perspective when we have an eternal mindset. According to Paul, being married is not the central issue to the Corinthians, but should rather be focusing on Christ Jesus. Mistakes that the Corinthian church made can be easily be mistakes that we make. We focus on the things of the world and we focus on our culture and we ruin that kingdom mindset that we should be having. The carnality of the church during that time versus having this kingdom mindset. And if you have your mind set on the kingdom of God, guess where it changes your decision making? Here on this earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. If my mind is set on pleasing God, if my mind is set on the things of eternity, and I know that my life is, is, goes far beyond the, how, how long does, do average men live to be nowadays? 75? Maybe 70 with all the sugar that I eat? <laughs> 70 years in light of eternity? We cannot love what is eternal unless we cease to love what is temporal. Here. Church this morning, do not get fixated on the things of this world, even the good things. Marriage, a good thing? Yeah. Career, good thing? Stuff? Stuff's cool. But don't get fixated on the things of this world that you miss the main thing, glorifying Jesus Christ and doing the work that he has called us to do. Point number two, single and second best. And Pastor Armando covered this three weeks ago about singleness. But look at verse 32 as we read verses 32 through 35. I, this is the Apostle Paul, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this to your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order, priorities, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Marriage requiring sacrifice. And for those of you guys that are married or have been married, you know that the the sacrifice can be very intense at times, can it? Yeah. And at times, it takes all of your focus, all of your interest, all of your energy. And what the Apostle Paul is, he's saying, hey, if you're running the lane of singleness during this time of distress, stay there so that you won't have divided attention, divided devotion towards the Lord and your spouse. If you're single in this room, you can completely give God your undivided devotion, no restraint, no one to worry about, and just focus on Jesus. Here's the thing, though. Just like the Corinthian church, they put a high value on what culture and society was saying, 
what culture and society was doing, and it ruined the gospel-centered culture that was in their church that it lacked. And in society today, it's so easy to look at singleness and see singleness as second best. You aren't married, you're looked down upon, you're at a major disadvantage. And what we need to do, church, especially those of you guys that are single in this room, me included, guard your heart against that culture. Guard your heart against the lies of the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Corinthian church struggled hard with this. And we too can struggle with this and even compromise truth. Don't do it. Don't do it. What I see with high schoolers every single week, they battle with the culture. They battle. You know, the Corinthian church, they debase sex and, and sexual immorality. And this idea, you know who's so confused? The youth of our day are so confused. Why? Because the culture and the society screams at them. When there are girls naked on TikTok and they see this on their phones, we have to guard our hearts and encourage others to guard their hearts. In singleness, you have something. You have time. And in this season of singleness, it's really easy to, even with time, you're, you're, you're fretting about, oh, if only I had a spouse. And you could use that time to fret or you can use that time to love and serve. Ecclesiastes chapter three. For everything there is a season and a time for everything under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then I love it, it says, God has made be- everything beautiful in its what? Time. In singleness, use that time to go deep in your devotion to God. In that singleness, develop godly disciplines that feed your devotion to God. Praying, studying God's truth, serving. Singleness, an opportunity to build foundation is something that no one can see. And here's the thing, for those of you guys that build, you need a strong what to build? Foundation. Without that foundation, what you're building will crumble at the moment's first adversity. Don't waste that time. And for those of you guys know, what marriage illuminates is all the stuff that no one sees. So for married people in this room, turn to your spouse and say, I see you. There we go. There's like four married people in this room. The rest of you guys are singles. When you married your spouse, didn't you see a whole other side to that person, things that you didn't know? Because in your marriage, there's the stuff that, that no one else sees. You're living with that person now. And even the disciplines that that person developed or didn't develop will now be illuminated in that marriage relationship. So, Going back to that cruise ship picture, 
50% of divorces. And I want to share with you guys, there's, I mean, you guys have seen this. Let's, let's do a picture of this other cruise ship. Sailed across the Atlantic about 100 years ago. Oh, let's watch this clip, actually. Can we turn that up a little bit? Awesome. And then can you pull up a schematic of the Titanic in the next picture? How many of you guys have seen that movie? How many of you guys have not seen that movie? Oh, Steve, the only one? Okay. Oh, Steve and Bruce. So as awesome as that movie is, and just to be honest, that was the first time I saw like a woman's boobs when I was a kid. I was in the fifth grade because in that movie you see a woman's boobs. But I was more impressed. I was more impressed with that scene. Isn't that scene awesome? Dude, where in the boat, where is that? Where is that in the boat? Where is that? Way down below, the, it's called the engine room. And you see the, the boilers, you see them throwing coal, the release of steam, and the captain saying all ahead full. But when you look at a ship, do you see that stuff? You don't. And, 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 and if you look at that schematic on the Titanic, it's funny because in the middle right there, that, that kind of like white one right there, right above the water line there, that's a tennis court. That's a tennis court. And it's the stuff that you don't see. It's the stuff that you don't see. And you guys know what happened to the Titanic. What happened? Hit an iceberg. A compromise in the ship's integrity and the thing sank. So many millions of dollars were spent on this. Lives were lost and the ship sank. And for those that are aspiring to be married, this is a great time for us to work on the stuff below the waterline. And what am I, if you guys could look at that picture, you can see those props right there. That is, that's where the engine room is. All those amazing pieces of machinery, the steam, the coal going in, the work that needs to, needs to happen in order to move this huge vessel happens below the waterline. In singleness, we need to focus on the stuff that no one sees. Deep in our hearts where we get to focus on our, our walk and our relationship with God through prayer, through devotion with Him. Can I get an amen? amen. Because the marriage, the stuff on the outside, the, 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 the fun, the adventure, all the the great things, yes, it's totally there, but in order for that to work, the stuff below the waterline matters. It matters. And that story with Mary and Martha, you guys know that story. 
where Martha was doing a good thing, cooking for Jesus, preparing for Jesus, but Mary chose what is best. And the Apostle Paul, he's saying, hey, if you're married, stay in that lane. If you're engaged and aspire to be married, stay in that lane. But what is best is to just be with me. Now, point number three. So, Steve says, single and ready to mingle. And I have had this question to me asked so many times. Phil's in this season of life, it seems that you're doing great. Are you dating? Would you get married again? Now you are single and ready to what? Oh, man. Who said that? And here the Apostle Paul, he's saying, for those who are single, you have the opportunity in your singleness to be ready and serve. Can I get an amen? amen? To do things for the kingdom with undivided devotion. And my focus, no, it hasn't been dating. My three things, to love God, to be a good father to my son Noah, and to be a good minister. My eyes being on him, the Lord has my complete undivided devotion. And for singles in this room, where are your eyes? Where's your focus? Because yeah, you can wait and you can pray for that person to come along and I, I know that God can do that, absolutely, but you have this opportunity to be single and with a heart of readiness, serve the kingdom. And it's easy to say because if you, can, you can have these feelings of loneliness and being alone and, and the definition of loneliness, sadness because, no one ha- because one has no friends or company. That's the definition of loneliness. Have you guys ever been in your devotion and your walk in your relationship with Jesus? You never ever had that moment of feeling alone? where you are devoted and you're devoted to Jesus, your, your energy, your time, where you don't feel like you're alone. You are not alone. God will never leave you nor forsake you. So how do we do that as singles? Invite Jesus into every part of your life. Your mind, your desires, your passions, your hobbies, your work, your friendships, And here's the thing, it's very easy as a single to feel alone if the only time you spend with God is the one hour that we get here on Sunday mornings. And Jesus, how many times through Scripture do we see Him escaping the crowds to do what? To pray and be with who? The Father in heaven. And you guys, this time for singles that are here You can use that singleness to find your purpose. Can I get an amen? It was 17 years ago in this season of singleness where I found my purpose and the Lord called me to do this work. You have this opportunity to please the Lord and serve freely. And know this truth. You can reach your purpose without a partner. And so many times you think, oh, if only I just had my spouse, then we can do this together. You can reach your purpose without a partner. So in closing this, my last point, a word for the engaged and the widows, verses 36 to verse 40. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed 
If his passions are strong, and it has to be, and it has to be, let him do so as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. And Paul is encouraging those who are engaged. During this time, the Corinthian culture was imposing the discipline of abstaining from marriage for a long period of time. And the Apostle Paul, he's saying, and he's encouraging both these scenarios, he's saying, hey, if you could come honestly and look at your fleshly desires and your disciplines, he leaves it to those couples to decide. And in these two groups, the point is that the engaged couples who wait for some time before marrying and the other group, the couples who find it best to marry than to burn in the flesh, both run no risk of missing God's best for their marriage. And look what he says to the widows in verses 39. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. You guys can close your Bibles. To the widows, after stressing this permanence of marriage, Paul gives widows complete freedom to remarry. If that's you in this room, And his only judgment, his insight, his opinion is that he adamantly lays down those who are contemplating marriage for it to be done in the Lord, for you to be yoked with the believer. And then once again, as Paul closes, he advocates that there is more happiness if you remain single. So, in closing this, all eyes closed, all heads bowed, short message today. Just have some questions. For those of you that are single, you have an amazing time to give God your undivided devotion, to go deep with Him, build amazing disciplines beneath the waterline of your life, and you have the opportunity to be single and to serve. For those of you guys that have seen that awesome movie, The Titanic, a compromise below the waterline cost that cruise ship everything. 50% of marriages end in divorce. Are there things beneath the waterline, deep in the foundation of your heart that God is calling you to work on? Number two, the Corinthian church bought into the lies of the culture and then they became confused. Confused about sex, confused about marriage, confused about their own bodies. My question to you is, are you guarding your heart? It's very easy for us, too, to succumb to the things that our culture is saying and for us to to do what the Corinthian church did. We forget about this gospel-centered culture that we need to remain in our lives. Point number three, even though we talk about singleness The Apostle Paul goes deeper than that. It's more than just singleness. It's about devotion. So whether you're single or whether you're married in this room, I ask you, where's your devotion to the Lord? Is it divided? Are you distracted from being with Him? Are there things that are pulling you away?
My last question. I share with you guys about loneliness. For those of you who are single and there are moments of feelings of loneliness, I want you to know you're not alone because God is with you. Let God into your heart. Let God into your free time. Let God into your passions and your hobbies. Communicate with God every single day. Lord, thank you for the rain. Lord, thank you for the sun. Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you for this church. Pray without ceasing. Are you feeling lonely? And here's the thing. You you don't need to be single and feel lonely. There are plenty of married people that feel lonely. So I ask you, when was the last time you ran like Richie worshipped into the Father's embrace and spent time with Him? Said, Lord, I am content in You. Godliness with contentment is great gain to be content in Christ. And Lord, as our hearts are bowed, as we seek your face, I do pray, Lord, for the married and the unmarried. We are living in a time where the culture is so loud. And Lord, I pray that we can stand true to you.